On this episode of Resi Week, 8K and 5G are coming, how to prepare, and Control 4's second see-for-yourself day. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 143, Make It Real for Them. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by FSR. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv, and today I'm pleased to be joined by the one and only Joe Whitaker. He is the president and owner of The Thoughtful Home. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back again. Thank you for being here. And of course, uh, he is not outshadowing uh, or outshadowing Brad Hyant. He is the Senior Director of Product Marketing for Control 4. How are you, my friend? Uh, so great. Happy to be here again. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you guys are two of my favorite people. Um, let's kick this right off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro. What to expect when 8K and 5G take over at the recent uh, 2018 MRI Expo. Uh, if you don't know MRI, they are a uh, value-add distributor um, up in Massachusetts in, in the Northeast. Uh, at their recent trade show, one of the key questions that was asked uh, during it was with 5G and 8K on the horizon, are integrators ready for these disruptive technologies? Joe, I wanna kick this off with you for a couple of reasons, not just because uh, at Cedia this year, you spoke about 5G on a panel. Um, when we start to look at 8K and, and 5G, these are, these are two new technologies that are coming down the pipe. 8K is following not that far behind 8K, and we still haven't seen, ma like we've seen massive market penetration, but content still isn't there, uh, most people would argue. As soon as we start to ask the question of 8K, that's what's going to get pushed back in our face is you sold me 4k three weeks ago and there still isn't anything there. Well, you know, I'll touch on that one first before I get into anything with uh, 5g, but you know, the thing with 8k is it's one of those things where people are actually going to have to start to do the medical math. It's what I'm starting to consider medical math where, you know, if, if you're not, you know, 150 inches or bigger, guess what? The average human eye cannot tell the difference. There's just so much in there that if you're doing it on small displays, guess what? I've got better than 20-20 vision. I can't tell the difference. And there's a threshold for the human eye where at some point we, we just can't perceive it anymore. It's just like when um, whatever it was, uh, 240 hertz or, or whatever the thing Samsung did for a little while. And to a lot of people, it was perceived as, uh, cutter board people moving in front of fake backgrounds because our eyes work in certain ways 4k is great because we can actually see a uh, physical difference in picture between uh, 55 and 65 on a 1080p or a 4k when you jump to 8k now you're passing the absolute threshold of what the eye can actually take in so that's when you got to start thinking about that medical math are you going to use it, uh, 8k to increase black levels contrast ratios totally different conversation but if you take your average person and you take a 65 inch 8k and a 4k and tell them 
pick which one looks better. You know, it's the same conversation we've had on projectors for the past, I don't know, however long, where you can take a JVC E-Shift and because their contrast is so good, some people say it's better than Sony's 4K. It's all about that eye perception. So without being, you know, on huge displays like, uh, you know, LG and Samsung are talking about, an 8K wall would be phenomenal. An 8K55, I don't care. I'm not going to be able to give a, a you know, a, a really good demo to a client and say, this 8K is $4,000 more than this 4K65. Which one do you want to buy? They're going to be like, I can't tell the difference. So on 8K, when it comes to big screens, then you're going to see a value. If, if it's standard things we're putting in our homes, not so much. So I'll, I'll real quick jump over to um, 5G, which is actually very important. So everyone, it's, it's been out there for a while that 75% of the 5G spectrum is laid out for video. It's not laid out for communications. It's already allocated. That is going to be high def 4K you know, global video distribution. That is what 5G is going to be. That is going to change everything for everyone. Once that launches, I hope my guys never have to hang a dish again. They're going to be getting it all over 5G cellular network. I'm hoping that there will be point-to-point -point meshes within 5G for high-end neighborhoods. 5G is going to totally change the dynamic of the way con content is distributed to start taking away from content providers and it's going to start handing it to guys like us, guys like you, Matt, where, you know, we're the physical deployment within the home. So we're going to own a bigger piece of that pie once 5G rolls out. I think that's the big kicker for the next 5 to 10. Very good. Brad, it, every time I've brought up 8K, and I brought it up a couple of times at Cedia this year, um, the response I kept getting from manufacturers was not so much, oh, wait for the content, or you're going to see it better because it is better. It was more around the conversation that as consumers are, are purchasing larger screens and wanting larger screens, even at 4K, if you put a 90-inch TV in front of your face at 8 feet, you can start to see a little bit of that pixelization, hence why 8K is, is a big deal. And, and this I was actually told that directly uh, from some Samsung reps when we started talking about their 8K commercial video displays was that it, it's, it's not that they need the resolution, it's so you can stand right beside it in a commercial application and still see that image. Is, is this really, like I, I've told homeowners and, and clients for years that those old school rules of thumb as far as how far you should sit from a TV uh, and how that dictates the size of the TV you should get isn't really, I don't wanna say it's not accurate, it's just not followed. Is 8K really another extension of us not following those rules and just going as big as possible in every application? Yeah, it does. It does seem like that. Bigger is always better, right? Um, and I think that you'll and and there are certainly homes and applications where a gigantic TV um, would look impressive inside of a home, but then there are other places where it just doesn't matter. And, and it, it's really more like, Hey, here's this technology. Let's try and find all the places that we can use it, whether it's practical um, or, or not. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's an interesting conversation. I think it will be interesting to see how pervasively it does get adopted um, within um, residences and kind of that medium sized screen space. 
Um, I wonder if you could use it to deliver more entertainment simultaneously, right? If you've got more of that resolution and you can pack more information in exactly um, onto that screen, then it becomes more usable. And at that point, it becomes less about 8K. It really becomes more about uh, being able to consume more and to see more uh, simultaneously. It's not unlike the new Apple Watch, right? It has a better screen, slightly bigger, and now they're using it for more watch spaces and more complications, more information on the screen at the same time. Um, so it seems like that might, if, if manufacturers can find a way to make that easy, that might be a bigger draw for 8K um, in a lot of other homes. Very good. Uh, the last question that I kind of wanted to just touch on before we go, and this is for either of you um, or both of you. Um, when we start talking 5G, have we actually seen a roadmap of what 5G is going to look like? Because everyone I talk to still talks kind of up in the air that it's, it's going to be this great thing and we're going to deliver video. I haven't seen a single person who's been able to say, it's going to look like this. Here's the box. So here's, here's the funny thing about that. Um, that is currently very, very quiet. Um, when me, uh, Mark Vogel, Ron Fleming, Frank from Dish, and Jason Matt did that uh, panel at Cedia this year, I wanted to bring some images of what the five, uh, 5G antenna arrays were going to look like. However, I am still under NDA and not allowed to show those to anyone. So I will say that they're, they're not going to be as big or massive as anyone thinks. I am allowed to say that. They are going to be a little ugly. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're pre they are pretty ugly. They look like they came out of like, the, like an Aliens movie. But um, what, what, what they're going to do with that is a little different because you are going to get – very high bandwidth, very fast, um, with an increase in distance, which is a little new for uh, the way we know cell technology to be deployed today. There's going to be some, some, some distance increases because they can't deploy all these big towers everywhere and, and, and pump content to you, which is what 5G is for. Um, so you're going to see some differences. And, and once the, it happens, um, Ignore what it looks like. Ignore what the mount looks like. Just be prepared that you are going to own the home in a different way. Uh, that is the important thing. You're going to be able to bring network. You're going to be able to bring video in. Forget pointing in a dish. It's going to be the way cell works. And that's the important piece to remember is, in the case of 5G, hardware actually doesn't matter. Interesting. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from a residential tech today. Uh, Control 4 dealers are hosting their home tech open houses on the, uh, I believe it's a global initiative for See For Yourself Day, as Brad nods his head to tell me that that's right, because I forgot to ask him ahead of the story. <laughs> uh, uh, again, this comes to us from residential tech today and Jeremy Glowacki. If you haven't followed See For Yourself Day, um, essentially what it is, is it's a, it's a single day this year on October 18th, uh, just a couple of days ago, where if you're a, a certified um, Control 4 showroom, you can host a big event and uh, essentially bring out all kinds of prospective clients, uh, existing clients, et cetera, and really just talk about home technology, obviously specifically Control 4 driven, 
Um, but it, it's just been a fantastic initiative. This being the second year, uh, some of the new things that homeowners were experiencing uh, were uh, Intercom Anywhere, the when then automation, as well as some of the new native services and uh, streaming services on some of the new triad speakers, et cetera. Brad, we're going to start with you, obviously, on this one, being a C4 guy yourself. Um, what is the, the, the C4 yourself day kind of done for the, for the not, not only the, the Control 4 brand, but also those Control 4 dealers that, that are able to host this? Well, it's been a really great reason to reach out to homeowners and get them into your showroom. Right. I think that um, a lot of dealers who've built showrooms in the past have kind of had this idea. If you build it, they will come. But the reality is, is that in the, they don't. Right, Joe? Joe shakes his, his head. Yeah, he's, <laughs> no, they there. do not come. They don't come. And you have to give uh, people a reason to come in with urgency and now and you know, we all do it. We all procrastinate, whatever it is, right? Oh, I can go there next week or something and kick the can down the road. Um, and so having a global event um, really creates a reason for homeowners to come in, see what's new, experience the solutions, you know, it, see the intercom anywhere, um, listen to the new triad multi-room audio experience, all of that great stuff. And um, so far, uh, the dealers have been happy with the turnout um but it it all depends right how much we all put into the marketing of that event uh, some dealers do a great job some dealers do an okay job you know and and uh, and, and that's that's how it all kind of works all the time then joe what, what brad was talking about there as far as the collaborative requirement uh, of making these kind of days successful, right? It's not just on control four to be doing mass market. Uh, it, it's also a lot of it's up to the dealers to be reaching out to people, uh, their, their current clients, new clients, et cetera. How, how do you navigate that relationship as, as an integrator who has some form of event that they can co-brand with, in this case, obviously C4 and, and their, their massive well, you, you know, in, 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 this, it's, it's almost a pick your poison um, type of mixture. Um, we were just talking before the show, by the way, with Brad, that I will soon have a Control Force certified showroom, so I will be able to take part You're in three. the events. Um, and uh, so it's a pick your poison thing. You know, you obviously want to draw in potential clientele. But, but as we're starting to see the industry shift just a little bit, which we saw very good during Cedia um, with the uh, Design Connection Tour and all the things that have happened after that along that, you know, that if you're going to do something co-branded, co-sponsored with Control 4, with the, the whole thought of the certified showroom, you need to not only draw in new customers, you need to bring in architects, designers, builders you need to fill the entire thing you need to go from top to bottom who it, it's i always go back to you know brand strategy i always talk about coca-cola and i say you know coca-cola sells to grocery stores and gas stations but who do they market to they market to the people that drink it i'm going to market my certified showroom to the people that drink it but i'm also going to drag in the people that sell it the people that design it the people that build shells around it I am going to, you know, that that's my thought for all those out there who have already done the certified showroom. You've got to take that route. 
you can't use this just to reach a client. You need this, you need to use this to reach the people that are gonna bring you 10, 20, 100 clients. You need to see, you know, that's the whole thing with the hashtag see for yourself. It's great to have a, a potential client see for themselves, but it's better to have a builder see for themselves or an interior designer see for themselves. And you know, one of the things, for those who are on the fence right now, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Excuse me, Brad, Matt, I'm gonna say, for those of you who are on the fence. Is this when I mute him? About doing <laughs> the showroom. I wanna say one thing a lot of people have not noticed. Yes, there's criteria. Yes, you have to support at least three of the five criteria within Control 4 to actually have a certified showroom. And branding has to be done right and all of that. But I will tell you one thing. We as dealers, as Control 4 dealers know that all of our uh, kind of our dealer claims on the dealer locator have no, nothing to do with our skills. They're all about sales, a platinum dealer, a pinnacle dealer, a gold dealer. Now you have a chance to actually put your skills to work because when you have a certified showroom, guess what? It trumps all those sales records. That jumps you to the top because you may be one of the most skilled people in, the, in your entire area with Control 4. But you might only sell six systems a year. But you've got legit skills and your systems are amazing. This is your opportunity to go from somewhere down there in gold territory and jump above Pinnacle. Because that's what it's about. This is about showing your skills, showing your talent in a compelling way. It is an entire break from the norm within our industry. And that's why I'm kind of excited about actually diving in over the last like three months, kind of going through the process and everything is, this is that different. So, well, and yeah, sorry, sorry, Matt. I was just going to jump in and say, one of the things that we're seeing is consumers want it. They want a destination where they can go and experience the technology that they're interested in. And, and, it, and to your point, it's not just consumers. It is designers and architects because their customers are asking for that as well. And so we're seeing through the, the web traffic um, because we've been monitoring it very closely since we launched the program. Um, and you can tell that consumers are going to those areas where we talk about going to experience it in a showroom. So, um, you know, it, when you're looking for ways to grow your business and you want to connect um, and find more projects, making it real for somebody is, it it's, continues to be one of those most, uh, you know, really great approaches. And, and, and for those dealers out there, I will say, really look at the criteria. A lot of people are thinking it's gonna cost 40, 50, 60, $75,000 to pull this off. Seriously, no. You, you, you only have to demonstrate in a compelling way certain things. You could seriously do like a triad soundbar and a sub and, and, and a couple of triad speakers, uh, a, a, a matrix. It's, I think the big thing is that's scaring people, that was a loud bang, do you hear that? That was called a kitchen foul for all of those that don't know. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is, is the cost of investment is more on your representation and your, your ability to do it. It's, it's not a huge monetary investment. We looked at it as we're moving our showroom and what we already had there. Me personally, I'm probably only gonna spend another 1500 bucks because we were already kind of, I mean, it's, it's really not that hard. I think people are scared of it. Don't be, it's easy, it's not expensive. So, so let, me, let me ask you guys this. For, gosh, probably the last five, six years, one of the growing trends and one of the things that you keep hearing from the majority of the talking heads, occasionally myself included, 
was that showrooming is dead. That it's okay to, oh, if you want to see a couple of TVs, go to Best Buy. They got them on the wall. Go to Walmart. They have them on the wall. Go to Costco. What I keep hearing very subtly, though, is this push back to we want to get people in our space. We, we don't necessarily want to just show up to their house with a binder or a book or a pop-up or a, a Pelican case full of stuff to kind of set up rudimentally around their house and say, see, it's going to be like this. Where, where has that industry or, or where has our industry gone to the point that now we're back to the concept of getting them focused, getting the, you know, our client's attention and actually showing them, letting them get hands-on with product? Well, I, you know, I think uh, as we've been talking to a lot of people about this approach, I think that the DIY movement has helped create more demand and more awareness of what technology can do within your home. But it's also created um, a desire to see it and, and feel, feel that technology versus, oh, I'm just going to conceptualize it um, online through a website or, you know, just through a cardboard kiosk. Um, I, and I, I think that's an Im important thing that, you know, the consumer expectations have evolved and just like Apple invested in their retail stores, you know, it creates a, an expectation within consumers that they should be able to go and experience it or, or more importantly, have a place where they can go talk to a professional, see where they work, see that they're a legitimate real life business and know that, hey, investing in this relationship with this professional is worth my while. And, and so I think it's, you know, sometimes, you know, you could pin it to maybe consumer expectations changing, but it's also probably just our own attention to, you know, we, we tend as an industry to kind of get uh, sidetracked by different things and evolve over time. And I think this is just bringing us back to the things that, that work to sell. Now, those other tactics, they'll continue to work for certain customers and for certain dealerships. So that doesn't mean that this is the end of those. And we have a lot of dealers that have very successful businesses and they never bring a client to their office. Great. You don't have to change that business. But as this industry wants to go out and get in front of new customers and more customers than we ever have before, this is a path to do that. And, uh, and, and that's why we think it's important. And I want to add to that about elevating the standards. So that's what know, I was we'll, getting to. We'll, we'll continue to do what we already do with the certified showroom. But for those considering it, consider one other thing. When we do, you know, the, the see for yourself thing is a large group of people. But you need to take that kind of mind frame to those one-on-ones or those two-on-ones, husband and wife, um, single guy with the flat, whatever, whatever the case may be. You need to elevate your your demo and what we do and I, I preach this all the time i say look forget your office demo great you got equipment just just erase that off the board take that away you've already talked to this guy once you already know you've already seen the plans for the house you've already done all those kind of things i'll tell you what save the project file for your office and wipe your controller and then what i want you to do is your living room setup for your office is that guy's living room. Your theater is that guy's theater. Your kitchen is that guy's kitchen. Walk in, hand him the remote and tell him, let me introduce you to your smart home. That's the way I do it. I delete everything. Walk-ins get to see the office stuff. But when we do a demo with a client, 
we take them into their smart home. It has their names on direct TV boxes. It has their bedrooms and their pools, their spas. Let them live with what you're providing. Hand them the remote and say, this is the exact project file that is going to go into your home. What else can we do? Is there more that you would want? Is, you know, how would you name things? You know, give them the experience that their house isn't even built, but they're already using what will be in it. And that's a compelling argument where you can, you can and that's another level of professionalism as well. You know, design and to sell, not um, selling you stuff that some designers are gonna design. We've already designed your, your, your platform. We've already designed your OS. We've already put it all together. And that's a compelling argument within when you're actually talking about smart home, home technology and control four is you do have the ability to do that, do it very fast as well. So, so let me ask you guys this, when we look at the professionalism side of things with both, which both of you brought up, are we getting close to the point where to, to be looked at as a market leader, an industry leader within your community, someone who is at the forefront of this, are we getting to the point where you have to have that showroom? It doesn't necessarily have to be open 20, you know, 10 hours a day. It can be appointment only or, or however you want to frame it. But are we to that point where you almost have to have that to be competitive and to be viewed as a professional? Right. I, I don't think it's a requirement. I think it depends on how you want to run your business um, and the type of business that you've had before. I think that there are plenty of dealers that will continue to be very successful just working out of an office and they go and they meet their clients in um, other places. Um, but I do think that the, this is an important thing um, that you that there are those dealers that will be also very successful because they've created a destination the consumers and design professionals can go and see this technology. Um, and, you know, one of the early indicators that we see as a sign of success too is, you know, we've heard of several anecdotes from our certified showrooms that said they sell larger systems because of their showroom. Mm -hmm. And they will get very specific. I sold a DS2 door station. I've never sold it. And the only reason I did was because it was on the wall and I did a demo for the customer. And I've been in business selling control for for three years and they never sold a door station before. So the show, the showroom worked, you know, or we had another, um, another, uh, another certified showroom that said, you know, I got an $80,000 automation project out of it and I probably would have gotten the business anyway, but on top of it, I also got a $20,000 lighting project that I got solely because of the showroom. So, um, I do think that it is going to be very important, but it doesn't, you know, it, it really does come back down to what kind of business do you um, want to run? Very good. Joe, I've got one last question for you before we go, and then we're going to wrap. Um, are, do you think that consumers are tired of the, the smart home tech and this, this dream that they're sold online and never able to experience it in real life? And that's why they're flocking to places that have some place where they can actually touch it, feel it, see if it works. Oh man, that's a hard one. I know. And you got uh, like a minute and a half. No, I, I do think that they know it is possible, but I think what they're tired of is the, the hype that is being pushed down their throat about the fact that you can go to 
Uh, might as well. You can go to Best Buy. You can go on Amazon.com. You can you can buy all these disparate devices, and you can sit down on your couch, and in 30 minutes, you can live the dream inside your home. I think that's what they're tired of. I think we finally come to the point where, you know, 90% of the consumers in the United States know what smart home is. They know what it is. Now they're starting to realize you cannot attain that ecosystem really on your own. You can't. You have to go to somebody like, you know, uh, Control 4 certified dealers or, or other. I mean, we, we've come to that point where that they're starting to realize that's a have to. They've been preached the dream for years from Sonos and Amazon and Logitech and God, the list goes on and on and on. And now they're starting to realize that's not the case. Yes, the products are there, but I, as a consumer, I can't do it. You know, there's professionals out there that are trained, certified to do this. It's no different than, you know, some guy going to Home Depot and saying, I can put in a dimmer and then blows himself across the room. Same exact thing. Don't do it. Call an electrician. Don't put the toilet in yourself. Call a plumber unless you want to poop on your floor. Same thing. You know, we're, we're, we're in that, you know, that consumer pain point. And I think they're starting to see that you need real certified professionals to provide that just like you do electrical and roofing and the foundation under your house. So, and that's a, that's a good thing for us all because that's going to increase, um, you know, that customer satisfaction for smart home and home technology overall. And that is the important thing. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much. Let's leave it there. Brad, if people want to connect with you, learn more about control four, uh, and of course, follow the see for yourself day. Um, check that out on social media. Where can they do that? Um, hashtag C for yourself, C number four yourself. Um, also control four.com, uh, on Twitter at control four, uh, and Facebook at control four as well. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Joe, if people want to connect with you, see all of the shenanigans that you get into. Oh, no shenanigans. No shenanigans I, you know, at all. You can, you can direct, you know, you can directly email, email me, Joe at the Thoughtful Home. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter at Thoughtful Home. And you can always find us at Cedia. Beautiful. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Uh, for myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avianation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, take a, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.